0: I am Brax McCoy, and I'm here with the Greater Lee tonight. Uh, for those of you who are non-Twitter people, he's a, he was an 82nd Airborne guy, and he runs a p- – please correct me wherever I'm wrong – but he runs a site called NBlock Press, which I s- subscribe to. That kind of keeps everybody up to date on what's going on in the firearms community, and uh, they do a really good job at staying up on these kind of hot button things and getting it from me. Like the thing I like most about in when I read it is the takes seem like balanced and honest, like not trying to play the, you know, what gets us clicks game, which maybe you should do more of that. I mean, I'm not going to be your business advisor, but like uh, you, you tend to be very reasonable, or I should say maybe y'all tend to be like very reasonable about what's happening. And then also touch on like the 3d print thing. And since we're continuing our bizarre crossover uh, phase of this podcast, I figured it'd be a great time to f- uh, And in with the brace thing coming in and figured it'd be a great time to have the great Lee on uh, finally. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I appreciate the invite of uh, I've heard the lesser Lee on this podcast uh, before. <laughs> And it's a great episode. Uh, you know, we, we love our Lafayette Lee. Uh, but yeah, I'm glad to be here and I appreciate the kind words.
0: Thanks, man. <clears throat> um, what would you, before we, like, is there anything you want to say, like, description-wise about, because I, I don't know what about your private life you make public and what you what you don't, so I want to make sure I'm not crossing any boundaries. So, like, what do you do on a day-to-day that you feel like, Uh, anyway, never mind. I'm I I regret I regret even saying any of that. Um, uh, (laughs) okay, so let's do the brace thing really quick because that's what everyone's thinking about.
1: Yeah, yeah, right. So, uh, obviously, the talk of the town as far as gun stuff goes for the past uh week or so has been the recent ATF rule. Uh, they find they released their final rule about uh pistol braces and whether or not those items are going to, going to fall under the purview of the National Firearms Act. Uh, and it looks like it looks like in most most cases they probably will. Now uh, this is I'll preface this by saying this just assumes that uh, this does actually take effect. Like it does not get uh, you know there's not an injunction somewhere at the federal level or something like that. Uh, but assuming that it goes into effect, most most people who have, uh, you know, like an SBA-3 brace or something on the back of their AR, uh, you know, ostensibly are, are going to be uh, required to either register it as a short-barreled rifle or, uh, you know, dispose of the brace, work around it, or, uh, just, you know, operate, as, you know, out of compliance. So that seems to be uh, the choices the ATF has given everyone. Now, uh, you know, this is something that they've said specifically is fine about four times in the past 10 years or so. Uh, when this, when SB Tactical originally uh, went to release their design commercially, um, they asked the, the ATF, um, their firearms technology branch, uh, to make a determination and say, hey, what is, would this fall under the NFA? And they said no. Um, it wouldn't. And then after that, uh, two years after that, they asked if you know people shouldering uh, the pistol brace would constitute a design change where it fell under the purview of the NFA. And again, the ATF said no. And uh, you know two times following, they also said that everything was uh, was kosher. And now, uh, you know, under the Biden administration, they're they're saying, hey, we changed our mind. Uh, Everything that we've told you for the last 10 years, turns out that was 100% incorrect. And uh, if you have a, you know, an AR build where the barrel is less than 16 inches and you've got a pistol brace on the back of it, uh, that we are now going to consider this after the 120-day grace period. Uh, we're going to consider this uh, an NFA firearm. So you need to either have a tax stamp or you need to, uh, you know, get rid of the gun or, or just obviously roll the dice of just not complying and hope for the best.
0: Yeah. So the first point that you made, I think a lot of, um, I mean, the people who are like uh, in in tune with like firearms know this, but some of our listeners are not these, companies like SBA, they didn't just start making these things. You know, They came up with an idea and then they proposed it to the ATF and said, hey, if we built a company around this idea, would it be legal? And the ATF said yes, right? Right, right. The
1: original, uh, the stated intent of the original um, SB tactical brace was to allow uh, people with physical disabilities and this in the specific instance is a disabled veteran but uh, people with physical disabilities to fire uh, to to securely and safely fire a large format pistol so uh, you know for anyone not familiar it's it's possible for an ar-15 pattern firearm uh, to fall into the legal classification of a pistol uh, and in that configuration it can be difficult uh, to stabilize that because it typically fires a rifle cartridge And so the original design of the SB uh, 15 brace was, uh, you know, you put your arm through the back of the stock uh, or the brace, I should say, there's a little Velcro band and it secures to your forearm. uh, So it kind of acts as like a second point, uh, you know, to brace it so that there's not as much pivot when you're forming a sight picture or shooting posture. And uh, so that was, that was the stated intent of the original one was that hey look this is for someone who is disabled they want to be able to more accurately use a a large format handgun and uh we want to make sure this doesn't run afoul of uh, considerations involving the national firearms act and and again the atf said that was fine and so you know these hit the market and uh from an you know from an outside perspective these look uh comparable to like a more traditional AR, you know, stock, uh, but they're, they're constructed differently. Uh, but they do have a surface area on the rear where you, you can put it on your shoulder. Uh, it exists just by merit of, uh, it existing. It's not purpose built to be fired from the shoulder, but it gives you more surface area than just a, a, you know, a buffer tube does. And so obviously the next step is people seeing this and going, okay, cool, Uh, I know it's supposed to get strapped to my forearm, but what hypothetically would happen if I put this on my shoulder and fired this from the shoulder on this AR that has a barrel less than 16 inches. Uh, and that runs typically like That's the, that's a reasonable question is, Hey, does this run afoul of the NFA? Because that's, if you're firing a rifle with a barrel of less than 16 inches, and an overall length of less than 26 inches traditionally uh, prior to 2012, uh, you would probably believe that that was a short barrel rifle. Uh, the ATF said that that's fine. They said that shooting it from the shoulder does not constitute a redesign of the stock itself. You may be using it outside of its intended purpose, uh, but it doesn't mean that the rifle itself is configured as an SBR. And so, uh, when they said that, I mean, it was really off to the races. Everyone was kind of already doing this anyway, but, uh, that was basically a boom, uh, for anyone who, uh, I mean, there's a, I mean, this has been a, a center point of the industry for, uh, eight years now where, you know, you go, you buy a 10 and a half inch upper, you buy whatever, twelve seven, a seven and a half inch upper or something. And you put it on a lower with an SBA, uh, three brace on the back of it or some, you know, one of the other models. And then you, for all intents and purposes, you have an SBR, but the ATF specifically said it's not an SBR. And so this is something that's been very popular uh, with enthusiasts, with hobbyists, with just gun guys in general. And uh, you know, the ATF is basically saying, Hey, look, I know that we specifically said several times that this was totally fine, uh, but plot twist uh, we take it all back. And if you don't register this, uh, you could face a ten-year jail sentence.
0: Yeah, and the I was, you know, I will cop to, I was late to jumping onto the brace scene because originally, you know, I was seeing people like strap them to their wrist and stuff, and or their forearm rather, you know, and I was like, man, I don't know that I want to play this game because I just don't trust. I just don't trust the ATF. So I'm not going to play this game. And then the truth is like shouldering, you know, the SBA, what is it? The four is a little bit better. I I think I have an SBA three, whatever I have. I have a couple, I guess, but um, they don't shoulder well. And I just was just kind of like, you know what? I don't know that I really care about this all that much. I mean, I care in the sense that it'd be great if we can, you know, uh, get a W, but, you know, for personal use, I guess I just didn't, I I, I didn't, I don't know. I didn't see it. Um, but I have, I have some, and I like, you know, like shooting them and everything, but like, even we, I ran a couple of lanes, uh, for like the bunkhouse with my uh, 300 blackout build. And what I found sucked quite a bit in a house is like in a shoot house was like, I want my gun, here right like nobody can see but like i want my gun here and as far as like where it's shouldering it's all just spongy and squishy because it's like a wrist strap and not an actual stock and people are like oh you gotta check this out or look at like this you know add-on or whatever and i was like man this is um i don't know we're playing you know we're playing like this is i don't know we're it's great that this is happening but we're definitely like playing with fire here. But then when I this was like in my in my mind I was thinking like maybe a hundred thousand gun guys were running these. You know, like I didn't I guess I just did not realize how ubiquitous they had really become. Um so I was a little bit worried about like potential outcomes of screwing around with one and all that. Uh and then I found out that like there's millions of these things out there. Right. Um, According to the ATF, somewhere between three and forty million, which means they have no fucking idea how many. Yeah, right
1: yeah, R- right. I mean, this has been a ubiquitous accessory for uh, close to a decade at this point. You know, they, yeah, uh, the appeal uh, for for a lot of guys, um, you know, and just calling it like I see it. I mean, most people who who have one of these use it as a stock, uh, and it's basically like a. Um, a, you know, it's very similar to a SBR with a regular stock. Like I, I get uh, the appeal of it. I'm not, you know, uh, I think people should be doing that. I think the the law, the restriction against a short throw right. rifle is like the, the dumbest shit you could ever think of. So uh, obviously yes. I don't agree with this ruling, but like if we're, you know, if we're calling balls and strikes, most people use it as a, as a stock, you know what I mean? And it's inferior to a stock because it doesn't, it's not, Uh, as rigid, obviously. And um, I never preferred the brace uh, to an actual stock, but I mean, it's, you know, it's a, for $200 and a tax stamp, it's a reasonable substitute, you know? Um, But yeah, this has been a hugely popular item and not just as a over-the-counter accessory, um, but SP Tactical makes these as OEM parts for a lot of companies that build. So there's a lot of manufacturers where you buy, uh, you know, a, a stock rifle off the shelf and it comes with an SB tactical pistol brace on it. So there's a lot of people who bought this really without a second thought. I mean, there, there's people who've come into guns and AR-15s and things like this well after 2012. Um, and this is just like buying, it's like going into the gas station to buy, uh, you know, a soda or something. It's, it's, it's just it was just an unremarkable thing. It was just kind of bread and butter. And so there's, uh, this has the potential. I mean, there are millions of people uh, who have these and there are not millions of people who are going to sift through um, like a 290 page PDF from the ATF and make sure that they're, they're all good. You know what I mean? This does have the potential if it goes into effect and it doesn't get struck down, uh, you know, this could make life unnecessarily miserable for a lot of people. So it's, it's a, I mean, it's a legitimately big problem.
0: Yeah, I can't tell you how many ranchers even in, like, my area have, I mean, multiple pistol setups, you know, multiple. And they don't know. These guys, I mean, if they're lucky, they have a kid who's on Facebook that follows this a little bit, um, if they're lucky. But there's definitely, like, a lot of people up here that have no clue that this even happened or potentially felons, you know, as you say, depending on how this actually plays out potentially felons in 120 days and all this. I have no clue. Like absolutely no clue this even happened. It was legal when they bought it.
1: Right. Right. And it's uh, the frustrating thing um, on this. And I I touched on this in my article about it is just that this is purely a political move to target uh, people who are not registered Democrats. Like, like 99%, probably more than that of people who have, Uh, pistol brace setups uh, either bought it without thinking twice about it like it was just it was not a political statement it was not an attempt to be in a gray area or anything like this Um, and everyone else bought it specifically because the atf had said that it was uh, not going to cause a problem as far as the nfa is concerned so this is an accessory that uh everyone who has one went out of their way to buy it specifically because they were complying with what the ATF said the rules were uh, or it's people who bought it unwittingly without any type of ulterior motive like this is not uh, the type of accessory that is like used extensively in crime or has any real impact in terms of like uh, the general health and safety of the public or things like this you know the ATF like if you think back to them banning like The quote "street sweeper shotguns" and things like this, where they just say, "Hey, this has no legitimate sporting purpose." Um, You know, the SBA brace is nothing like this. This is a piece of plastic. In and of itself, it's not a firearm at all. It's just it's a piece of plastic that goes on a buffer stock or a buffer tube, um, and it helps people who are disabled, or you can fire it from your shoulder if that's your preference. But it's not something that is like you know a crime accessory or that type of thing. So this is. Uh, you know, going out of your way as an enforcement agency to target, uh, millions of people who have this product specifically because they want to comply, um, in good faith with the bullshit regulations that you are laying out or rules, I should say, uh, is, you know, it's an offensive maneuver. It's a specifically targeted political attack. It has nothing to do um, with gun safety or anything like that, which, you know, and I, I don't generically agree with those arguments anyway, but they're really letting the mask just fully slip on this where they're saying, Hey, look, this is, this is only going to affect, you know, people who are not Democrats. This does not affect our voting base. Uh, so this is who we're going to target. This is, this is punishment. You know, you can go into Chicago. You can, you, I mean, there's a million clips of Uh, 16 year old kids in Chicago showing off, uh, their, you know, full auto clocks with their faces showing, you know, everything like this. If the ATF was concerned about gun safety, this is where they would be spending their time. And again, I, I, I don't want the ATF to exist. So I'm not saying that, Hey, they should go do something else. I'm just saying this to prove the point that this is, they're being used, uh, as an agency to administer political punishment. They're not, this is not in anyone's, uh, best interest. Uh, or in any type of like good faith effort about gun safety.
0: Right. And the, one of the, th- uh, you bring up politics, maybe think about a, you know, a couple of, we were down at shot, obviously when this mostly down at shot, when this thing came out. And so obviously lots of conversations and, and they know this, right? Like this is intentional. They want it to be the talk. Of shop, right? The, the, the ATF has also arrested like vendors at shop before. I think, um, I think people who are not uh, in the gun space maybe don't realize how hostile they can be at times, you know. And uh, I think it was a couple years ago they arrested like nine different vendors at shop for kind of like bullshit. You know, and if, anyway, so they know what they're doing. This is not like an accident. They, it was definitely like a timed. They did this intentionally, uh, but it ended up being like the talk of a lot of people down there. Um, and one of the, one of the things that I brought up was like, well, I mean, if you look at politics in general, whether it's Democrat and Republican, they all like they fundraise and campaign on three major issues: uh, abortion. The border and guns, like both sides, they tend to focus their, you know, th- that's what gets their bases riled up on on either side. So, Roe is overturned. In some sense, I don't know how, like it worked in 2022 for sure, but I don't know how much like political leverage is really there in 2024 because you know it's sort of a done deal. So you've got to find something, maybe. The thought process because clearly this came down everything comes down from up top so maybe the thought process is well we've got to have something to run on in 2024 that will get our base riled up and they know that uh best case scenario, this thing ends up in court for two years or a year and a half or so. And, you know, they can tell everybody that spooky black guns are going to be on the streets and get, you know, wine moms with 16 cats all wound up. And on the Republican side, they'd be like, hey, they're trying to take your freedoms away or whatever, you know, and the the sort of uh, NRA people of the world can uh, push back and i'm not saying like that i'm not saying that like garland cares about whether dana loesch has an opinion on but but at least from like the republican or excuse me the democrat side perhaps this is a thought like biden needs a win on guns he promised to win on guns let's try to force this through right now and best best case scenario it stays in the courts until 2024 and we can talk about that then you know
1: yeah. Yeah. And I mean, that's, uh, that's entirely possible because the, uh, the, the, prior ruling as, as it relates to ghost guns, uh, you know, the polymer 80 stuff, the 80% AR lowers, things like that was, uh, largely, uh, from, from the perspective of a Democrat, an anti-gun Democrat, largely, uh, just a brick. I mean, that, that didn't have, um, You know, 80% AR lowers are are still uh, lawful to purchase um, as long as you're not buying like the jig with it. Uh, They had to come back out and issue a separate guidance specifically targeting P80 and Lone Wolf uh, for Glock, 80%. And for now, that's that's a win for the Biden administration. Um, You know, whether it sticks, I'm not sure but yeah i mean they don't have they don't have the votes in the senate uh for an assault weapons ban they've you know repeatedly tried that type of thing and um it's just not it's not there but it's not it's not a huge margin uh you know i mean you're you're talking uh 10 to 15 votes i mean right now it's uh it's pretty close to 50-50 but uh yeah i, I mean you're probably right that they need to look like they're doing something Uh, But the frustrating thing about it is in order to look like they're doing something uh, they're specifically going out of their way to fuck with like, you know, uh, 20 to 40 million people who have only tried uh, to comply with what they've said already. You know what I mean? It just makes it frustrating because it's like, you know, they're not attacking a gray area. They're not uh, going after, you know, criminals or things like that. They're going after, Uh, you know, middle-class rifle owners, guys that they hate, you know, this is just, it's just political overreach. Hopefully, you know, they're just making it really clear that they view guys like you or me, uh, or probably a lot of the people listening to this podcast as legitimate enemies who should be fucked with and toyed with, and, you know, not people who should be, uh, you know, viewed as legitimate
0: yeah, they I mean you can say it. it's uh they're trying to, it's the average white guy they would like to put in a gulag somewhere. Um I think like you'll know how political or how rather not uh, not how political but how well thought it, thought out this whole thing was by whoever they target first, right? Cuz like if the ATF goes after some the ATF is not going to go after some like guy with four kids and a job and all this kind of stuff because he posted a picture on Facebook, right? Because they did say specifically, um, I'm sure you saw the stuff that came out of shot when, like, GOA approached them and asked, you know, what would be the criteria and, and like, what the the outcome or whatever. If you were denied, Um, they straight up told the attorney from GOA that, yeah, they would take enforcement action uh, at that point or whatever. But whenever they take that enforcement action, it's not going to be against, like, the plumber guy that posted a picture on facebook of him shooting with his you know five kids or whatever with a brace right they're gonna if it's i don't know they're gonna look for somebody who has like uh, a criminal record like a john jones type character or something you know with like a couple of um DAs on his right, you know, domestic abuse or whatever, DVs rather, domestic violence. Um, they're going to look for somebody like that and it's going to be hard to unite around, right? Because if they go after like the plumber guy, then I mean, it's just going to make them look horrific, right?
1: Yeah, I think, uh, I mean, y- y- yes and no. Like, I, if you, if you track the ATF press releases, most of their slam dunk convictions, uh, for gun crimes are people who, uh, you know, like you said, have a, have a list of friars. They're people that are hard to kind of go to bat for. Um, and that's their bread and butter. However, if they're trying to make a point, uh, you know, I mean, I don't know. I mean, they didn't have any trouble burning a bunch of kids to death in Waco. If, if they're trying to make the point, you know what I mean? So, uh, that side could go, either way, I guess uh, if I can for a second touch on the GOA attorney thing, just cause this is a uh, kind of a frustrating like uh, point of contention for me is that a, a lot of that stuff. Um, my guess is that there's something lost in translation between uh, that ATF representative and the GOA attorney. Um, and this isn't, this isn't a, a criticism. I'm not, Uh, I support GOA. I mean, I think it's a good organization. They're definitely on our side. Um, And I'm sure the attorney's a nice guy and his heart's in the right place. But I I think some of this is probably misunderstood. Um, The, uh, you know, it's kind of a tangent, but the part about, uh, you know, it's a trap. And when you submit your application, they're going to deny it and then they're going to, you know, think you're a criminal and stuff like that. Um, You know, that part is, they tried that in 19 you know with the original 1934 nfa uh the the first iteration of the national firearms act required registration um if you were in possession of an nfa item so like let's say the year is 1936 and uh, you're a felon and uh, you happen to be in possession of like a machine gun and you file your application uh for a tax stamp and the atf uh you know, refers to local authorities. They say, Hey, go arrest this guy. This is a felon. He's got a machine gun, uh, you know, whatever, uh, this, this happened, uh, and it led to a case called United States versus Haynes is a, a Supreme court decision. Uh, and it, the outcome was that the original, uh, the original 1934 national firearms act, uh, was unconstitutional because if you have to, Uh, submit an application to register something that is already in your possession. It puts you in a position where you might be incriminating yourself, right? So if I'm not allowed to have something and then I tell the ATF that I have it, uh, obviously that puts me in a position where I might be telling the cops something that is unfavorable to me from a legal perspective. And I don't have to do that under the fifth amendment. And the Supreme court, Uh, agreed with this sentiment. And they said that the NFA as it was originally written was unconstitutional uh, because if you make somebody apply for something and then you later arrest them for applying with it, uh, then that's unconstitutional. It's a fifth amendment violation and you don't have to, you don't have to do that. And so the NFA was rewritten as title two of the 1968 gun control act. Uh, and this this is the sound of like six hundred thousand people turning off a podcast from boredom. By the way,
0: but, <laughs> no, it's not actually. You're good, man. I was but, just pushing uh, mute so I didn't make some noise while you're talking.
1: But the uh, the the title two of the 1968 Gun Control Act is very similar to the original NFA. Um, however, there's a specific provision uh, in there that uh, you cannot be. Uh, like any, any application that you make to the NFA cannot be used as evidence in criminal proceedings, uh, as long as the crime in, in reference, uh, it took place before or, uh, concurrent with the NFA application. Right. So like right now, um, let's say, uh, I, I don't, but let's say I have like a extensive criminal history and I want to make, you know, manufacture a pipe bomb. So I send the ATF my application, um, they look at my record and they say, you know, you know, holy crap, this guy's uh, multiple felon. He definitely can't have this. They can deny that application, but there's, there's really nothing that they can do about it beyond that. Because, uh, you know, if they come after me for that, it's a, it's a fifth amendment defense and this is already mm-hmm. settled in us versus Haynes. So, uh, what happens, uh, so a, I just, just want to clear that up because that's a, Uh, perhaps not a lot of people know that. And, uh, anyone listening who thinks, well, that sounds crazy. Uh, you know, there's gotta be something to this. Um, don't, don't trust me about it. Go Google, um, NFA handbook. It's it's the national firearms act handbook. It's a resource that the the government publishes to help dealers like firearms dealers and, uh, private citizens navigate the NFA. It's in section one, uh, 1.1.2, if I remember right of the NFA handbook. So Google NFA handbook, check it right there. Uh, You're looking at the section about Title II 1968 GCA. And that provision is in there. So uh, I think that is probably a misunderstanding. And again, I don't don't mean this as a criticism. I'm not trying to sharpshoot GOA or uh, insinuate anything uh, negative, anything like that. Um, But I think there's some miscommunication or misunderstanding surrounding that. Same with uh, I'm sure you've seen the, this thing about the 88 day background check, right? Yeah yeah mm-hmm. okay, so when you when you file a form one which is which is the the application that you need to complete if you're going to register a SBR from one of these pistol braces, uh, these pistol brace builds that that's, that's a, a application to to manufacture and register an NFA firearm. When you file this form one, Uh, It goes through an approval process. Part of this approval process is the ATF conducting what's called a NICS background check. That's the national instant criminal background check system uh, that was implemented under the Brady handgun violence prevention act. Uh, They run this NICS background check on you. And in large part, this is how they determine whether your application for short-barreled rifle, short-barreled shotgun, an AOW, anything like this uh, is going to be approved or not. Uh, That background check there are three possible outcomes. There's an approved NICS check, there's a denied NICS check, and then there's a delayed NICS check. So let's say um, you have some type of, you know, minor criminal event in your past, like maybe a DUI or, uh, you know, like a, I don't know, a a misdemeanor shoplifting or something like this. Um, Sometimes if they get a hit in the NICS system and they can't confirm that, hey, this we need to verify this was a misdemeanor, not a felony, or maybe you have the same name as like your father, if you're a junior or, you know, something like this, you have someone else who has the same name and they have a felony record. A lot of times that will come back about 10 to 12% of the time that'll come back is what's called a delayed NICS check where someone manually has to like pull the clerk of court records and make sure that everything looks uh, good to go. That check has 88 days uh, to be completed. And this is so that the, the government cannot string you along mm. forever, because if they don't have a backstop for it, they can indefinitely delay your firearm purchase. Right. And that, that as well is unconstitutional. So they have an 88 day window. That's what's written uh, federally. And if they don't conclude it within 88 days, then uh, your application will be kicked back. However, uh, it's not going to kicked back as a denial most of the time. Most of the time it's going to come back to you as what's called a return without action, which is they send your application back. They say, hey, we didn't approve it. We didn't deny it. We're sending it back as a return without action because we weren't able to conclude your next check, okay? So the 88-day thing, that does exist. However, that's only a portion of this application, meaning that like the, the clock on that doesn't start When you submit your application, it starts whenever ATF opens your application, validates everything, and then submits your NICS check, okay? So your NFA application, it might take 10 months. It might take 12 months. That doesn't matter, okay? Uh, Because most of the time what happens is this goes to ATF's inbox. It sits there for seven months. Then someone opens it, starts processing it. And it takes, you know, two weeks from there and you're, you're well within that 88 day window. Okay. So the 88 day thing is real. However, uh, that is not representative of the total time to approval from the ATF. Like this is going to take forever. If you apply for a form one, um, I wouldn't be surprised if you start seeing 18, 24 month lead times for approvals on this, but the actual Nix check is on the tail end of that process. Uh, and it's very rare for that to take longer than 88 days. And uh, even when it does, it's exceedingly rare. It's like less than 1% of these come back as an actual denial. Okay. And so this is something that's getting like largely overblown. I've seen a lot of people being like, oh man, it's this really crazy trap. And if they can't get it back to you in 88 days, then like uh, the ATF's going to shoot your dog and stuff like that. And that is not the
0: case. Dude, and I perpetuated that um, based on, you know, not knowing and then uh, trusting. And so there's actually some anon guy on Twitter that I owe an apology to for, you know, telling him, well, I didn't exactly, I don't know. Anyway, I told me I owe an apology to the guy. I told me he was wrong in some sense. Um, mostly just like said something like, uh, I'm going to trust like this attorney and go from there. Uh, but I owe that guy an apology. Cause I didn't, I didn't know all of this and all, I guess it comes from like just defaulting to the, uh, the idea that the government would love to put me in prison right now, you know, well, there's all right, that guy an
1: apology. And so, I mean, there's truth to it. I don't think it's the worst thing uh, from like a political standpoint that everyone is up in arms about it. Um, you know, but I, I, also, you know, hate the idea of uh, otherwise, normal law-abiding guys like throwing their gun into a fucking lake or something you know what i mean because they think you know 90 days from now the atf's gonna throw a flashbang into their house uh you know what i mean and and i'm not saying that i trust the atf by the way
0: if you go throw it in your lake like if if you if you have posted your gun on twitter and you go throw it in the lake you're still going to get flashbanged. by the way (laughs) right right Uh, please don't do that
1: right you know i'm not uh i'm not saying any of this because i I trust the atf or i trust the government uh i'm just saying that it's uh you know it's not accurate information so uh you know, they will conduct a gun retrieval, which is uh, from what it sounds like that ATF representative was talking about, uh, you know, and this, this comes up from time to time because uh, for regular firearms purchases, like if you if you go buy a gun in a gun store somewhere and it's in one of these states that uses the NICS system, not, not every state does, but uh, a lot of them do, 30 something of them do. Uh, If it's in a state that uses the NICS system and you get a delayed response, uh, you know, you can still get that gun. Like people will give you, uh, most gun dealers will still release it to you uh, on a delayed response. You have three days uh, before the dealer can release it. So like if I go buy a gun and uh, it gets delayed, I can come back in four or five days, take possession of that firearm uh, with the understanding that if it turns out that I'm a prohibited person, if it turns out that I am a felon, uh, it gets referred to the local ATF office for someone to go take that gun back. Uh, and that's most likely what, uh, you know, was being conveyed here. Um, I wasn't there for the conversation, so I don't know, but I've seen, uh, seen this happen with, uh, you know, I've seen it happen before, uh, you know, more than once, you know, without getting too personal. So, yeah. you know, it, that is a thing that does happen. Um, and in the gun industry, you have to tell customers, Hey, look, you know, you can take it, bud, but just heads up, man, if you're trying to pull a fast one here, it's, it's going to be between you and the ATF, you know, and uh, that that's about 0.1% of all Nick's checks, but it does happen. So the, these, these things, this is what I mean. The lawyer. Uh, he's not incorrect that these things exist, but stringing it together that way is not uh, an accurate representation of of how it goes.
0: Yeah, man, that's good to that's good to know because I definitely broadcast that uh, wrong opinion. Because you know, I I mean, I'm a retard and I don't know. Um, <laughs> I feel bad. I didn't even I didn't yeah, see that. Like, <laughs> uh, n- no, I did. No, I'm glad you did because I should be like. Uh, corrected here. Um, yeah, I posted and I was like, yeah, I mean, uh, this seems like sketchy or whatever. I was, you know, I was a shot and I'm seeing this uh, full disclosure Like, as I'm driving home, like watching, uh, listening to videos as I drive home. Um, yeah, I was pretty worried about it. Um, and then I guess, you know, Idaho, Ruby Ridge. Yeah, yeah. Right. You know, just, right. Like just there's no reason to good. trust him.
1: Like it's not beyond the pale that there would be some completely batshit ruling where you would suddenly be at risk. Like this is the problem right. ruling in like a reckless, illegitimate manner is that, uh, giving, you know, 40 million people, 88 days to comply, uh, and then shooting them, you know, is not something that the ATF wouldn't do. You know what I mean? Like, there's a reason why everyone's right. like, oh man, that sounds bad. Like, it's, you know, your gut response is not to say, uh, no, that can't be right. You just go, oh man, <laughs> like, shit, you know? And, and the, the only yeah. reason I, you know, I know about it is just from, uh, you know, dealing with it uh, on the industry side of things for the last, you know, couple of years.
0: Yeah, and yeah, you stay way on top of it too. Um, so another thing that came out that I found out after further reading was actually not true, was originally it was being reported that well, if you go through this, uh, sort of a, you know, this free process for the tax stamp, um, you know, quote unquote free, right? But like, if you go through this free process, then. That thing is sure it's registered as an uh, SBR, but it's only registered as an SBR with that brace, and you can never put a stock on it and it's locked in with a brace.
1: Yeah, no, you can uh, is that true? No, you you can uh, put whatever stock you want on it once it gets to the attack stamp. Yeah, once, once the stamp is there, you can you can do what, put put whatever type of butt stock you want on there. You can throw the pistol brace into the into the you know, freaking garbage, which is what you should do and just put, you know, a SOT mod stock or something on there.
0: Yeah, that that was a thing I found through further reading was that turned out to be complete bullshit and it's it's a true like they it really is, you know, quote unquote, free stamp. I'm not telling anybody what to do, but so far as like I don't think the ATF has been uh, necessarily disingenuous about this part of it. Um, as far as a uh, default registry, sure. I guess that's true. They are definitely trying to get you to register, um, wh- like what you should do with that. I don't know. Um, you know, the whole mass con- non-compliance thing and, you know, whether this will fall under Bruin is sort of, a, I uh, I guess like way to be seen. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. And it is, uh, to be clear, it is it is a legitimate,
1: uh, like formal firearms registration. Like there's the the, uh, the ATF is is legally prohibited from creating a uh, a registration of like all gun sales. Uh, they still uh, they still have this, by the way, uh, through some you know political gerrymandering and um, the way that they design these forms. Um, it's probably outside of the scope of this conversation to get too into it. But you know, when you do a 4473, uh the regular firearm purchase form, like uh every time that a gun store goes out of business, their their 4473s go to the ATF. They don't they don't get destroyed. They go to the ATF and they get scanned, digitally scanned into a database. Uh and it's the same anytime there's an ATF trace request. Uh, and so there's actually like uh, if I remember right, I mean it's it, it's like maybe tens or hundreds of millions of uh, scanned copies of 4473s on the ATF's database. Um, but as far as as far as short barrel rifles go, yes, it is a registration. It is literally called a uh, a registration. It's it goes onto um, a database called the NFRTR, uh, which is the National um, National Firearms Registration and Transfer Record. So it's it's called the National Firearms Registration. I mean that it's part of the National Firearms Act. So yes, uh, to be that is one hundred percent correct. It is an a, a gun registration. Uh, once you have that tax stamp, you're supposed to tell the ATF anytime your address changes. You're supposed to tell the the ATF any uh, anytime that you travel with that firearm across state lines, um, unless it's a suppressor. So, you, you have to tell them, like, if you're going to take your SBR out of state to a competition or a hunting event or something like that, you have to get, you have to let the ATF know on a, on a Form 10. Um, if you're going to move, you have to let the ATF know. So, yeah, it's uh, definitely a personal choice as to whether you're going to go through with that.
0: Yeah. That was uh, the crossing state lines thing, is why I liked the brace and didn't go the SBR route in the first place, to be honest with you. Because, like, as far as I you know, I get the, I get the sort of mindset of, I don't want the government to know that I have guns or whatever, but also like I'm a realist and I know that the government knows that I have guns. So like, I'm not too stressed out about it, but like if I'm going to go to a shoot in Texas or Arizona or whatever, I would much rather just not have to worry about whether I did my paperwork right. Every time I crossed, you know, two or three state lines or Whatever, like so i went the brace route on a certain gun and you know um or guns uh i guess but yeah so it is like a very frustrating uh you brought up uh unless it's suppressed um what do you mean by that uh suppressors
1: uh the the actual suppressor itself any uh, you get a tax stamp per serial number so if you have an sbr with a suppressor on it that's two tax stamps uh, so, uh, you don't have to tell somebody, you don't have to tell the ATF if you're like driving across state lines while you're transporting a suppressor. Uh, so if you have like a pistol suppressor, um, and you're just going to visit, you know, a relative or something, uh, and you guys are going to go shooting, you, d- you don't have to let anybody know that you're moving with a suppressor, but you do, uh, with most other NFA items. So if you're transporting a firearm rifle and SBR, Uh, you don't SBS, something like that, you do have to let let people know. You got to let the ATF know.
0: Right. And so my my understanding as a layman here was always that if you bought something that was uh, integrally suppressed or if you had a suppressor with you, that you didn't have to worry about that Form 10 when you moved with that. Weapons, uh, through or not?
1: It, it depends on the configuration so a lot of um a lot of integrally suppressed firearms have two serial numbers on it uh like the suppressed portion will have a serial number and then the receiver like an mp5 sd is two serial numbers um uh if i remember right, uh last time i saw a daniel isr it was two serial numbers somebody can correct me on that if i'm wrong um but it just depends how it's configured this it mostly applies uh you know, to your handgun stuff. So the the pistol is almost never an NFA item itself, but a lot of guys, you know, you get a pistol suppressor, and uh, you know, if you are traveling, you don't have to declare that with anyone.
0: Okay. Yeah. Yeah, it's good. Like, okay, so another thing, um, I was, I joking, well, I shouldn't say joking, like half facetiously, put out there the instead of like just mostly just trying to get people to think like. Uh, more action oriented rather than like just bitch and moan because bitching and moaning does nothing. So just throwing stuff out is like a goof knowing full well that it's going to, you know, um, but I said like, instead of like crying about this, uh, we should just file 40 million uh, FFL SOTs. So like, there you go. Sure. You know, uh, I'm not saying like, that's the best course of action, but, It's a statement at the very least, right? Um, So if you're an FFL, SOT, of course, you're still going to have to file paperwork when you, you know, you move for sure, because now it's like, you know, it's attached to a residence. And uh, if it's in your home, a specific room in your home or if it's on your property, a specific building on your property and all of this. But um, at least it's something, dude, because like with Bruin establishing like uh, in common use, I don't know, man, it seems like a big statement to make yeah how do you feel about
1: yeah i feel like uh the atf i mean it feels like the walls are always closing in because there's there's always uh, some type of pending assault weapons ban or some type of new uh you know atf rule uh but very few left-wing uh political programs have taken more l's than like gun control Uh concealed carry, constitutional carry is bigger than it's you know been at any point in American history. Uh the Heller decision codified the individual right. It got rid of that. Anytime someone says, Oh, a a militia, well, that's done now. The the Heller decision codified against that and said the Second Amendment is an individual right. Uh the Bruin decision obviously just knocked out New York's uh you know anti-gun laws establishing the, the common use, uh, premise as well as a very, um, like originalist test for gun laws. So, you know, the left, despite having a couple of these strongholds like California or Chicago, uh, you know, basically Illinois is a separate thing that you'll know, touch on in a minute, but, you know, New York just took a huge L, uh, you know, they're, they're pretty routinely losing the whole thing with ghost guns, Cody Wilson and uh, home manufacturing, 80% lower, 3D printing stuff. Uh, the anti gun people have done nothing but take loss after loss for the better part of the last 10, 15 years on all of this stuff. Uh, because all it takes is one well positioned judge to say, Hey, you know, sorry guys, this is bullshit and throw it out. Once, once the ATF loses a case at like the Supreme Court level, uh, it's it's over you know what i mean and, and they can't retry uh like those same types of hijinks so uh, i mean i agree with you that some type of you know uh being the silliest goose may pay off you know what i mean because it, yeah you know we've got a lot of momentum going from a pro-gun standpoint and uh if if the atf if they're not careful uh You know, I would say that something that is used by millions of people, uh, routinely, and yet is almost never used in a crime, uh, passes that common use test. You you know what I mean? So they have to be careful Mm -hmm. with this. Uh, You know, I'm not an attorney, but I don't know. I mean, it's it's easy to see how this would pass a pretty common use test, and it's also uh, arbitrary, right? Like the the targeting of pistol brace saying that hey. Um, this AR pattern firearm is especially dangerous because now we think it's an SBR and um, you know, because it's, it's, it's whatever it's 22 inches long or something like that. Uh, well, that doesn't increase the rate that it's used in crime. It doesn't enhance the lethality of the firearm. Uh, it, it doesn't have any, anything else. A lot has changed since 1934. We, we don't have Al Capone, uh, you know, r- running around anymore. And so, You know, these things are no longer like a special category of firearm. Uh, And so if they keep really pushing the issue, I think there's a chance uh, that it might come down as like, hey, look, you know, okay, 30 million people have these and, and like uh, 20 people a year get killed by an AR-15 with a pistol brace. So this is fine. It's it's common use. Uh, It's not particularly dangerous. There's a legitimate sporting purpose for this, Uh, you know, and we're just going to get rid of this whole thing about short barrel rifles or you know something like that so it's they're kind of playing with fire on this because everything that atf puts to the test that most of atf's rulings uh the only way they're really effective is through like fear all it takes is one guy to stand up and say okay well i'm going to challenge this in court and and then it's uh there's a pretty good chance that it's, it's over for them you know
0: yeah especially like right now it seems is you know as bad as things can look or whatever it does seem like you have a sympathetic court uh, not just at the Supreme Court, but like mostly across the United States now. You know, you're going to run into, a, at least on this one issue, a sympathetic judge.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, you've seen uh, bump stocks right now. There's a split at the federal uh, appellate level where uh, the Fifth Circuit is at odds with the Sixth and Tenth Circuits. Uh, you've got the Texas uh saying that hey look if you if you buy a suppressor that's made in texas and you live in texas you don't have to do any nfa paperwork that was a pretty ballsy law that they passed last year um, that the atf really hasn't been able to effectively push back on uh, because the the original nfa relied on interstate commerce like uh that was that was part of the original writing was that it was it fell under the purview of interstate commerce and therefore could be reg- regulated at the federal level. Uh and so Texas said, Hey, well I tell you what, if you live in Texas and everything on this suppressor is made in Texas, then this is not interstate commerce and you guys can uh suck shit. And you know, the ATF wrote a letter about it, but they haven't, you know, taken any drastic enforcement actions. It's at least been publicized. Uh so-
0: We're, where on this specific thing, where do you stand on Idaho's bill suppressor bill?
1: Uh, I'm not familiar with that one.
0: We passed a bill in 2013. Um, in my opinion, it's quite a lot better than Texas's bill. Mm-hmm. It could have been 2009, but I think it was 2013. The reason I think it's quite a lot better is in the second paragraph of the bill, it requires uh, the state AG to defend you if you are prosecuted by the feds so if the feds come in and you know bust you with a suppressor or whatever then the state ag has to defend you in court um what we have seen in idaho over the last you know 10 years or so is there's been two people that had their two that i'm aware of i'm sure there's maybe even more but Two folks that I'm aware of had their businesses broke down because they were like building suppressors and selling them inside, like making noise about it. But they never got charged criminally. Neither one were ever charged. Um, they just took, came in, took their stuff, you know, their CNC machines, which is no small thing. You know, like Sky, you know, the guy in Shelly's, you know, you're talking, depending on the CNC machine, potentially a $100,000 machine, right? Sure. So it's no small thing but they never pressed any criminal charges. Whereas in Kansas, when they passed their bill, they went and charged the guy who uh, owned the gun shop that tried to sell Kansas suppressors, you know, and and they're still sitting in prison. So far as I'm aware the guy who purchased it and the guy who, you know, but in Idaho, that's not happened. Um, Right. And I've always thought that probably because that, second paragraph in the bill was like no the state will defend you if you get charged criminally you
1: know sure yeah yeah and this is um you know i mean you see some of this like uh missouri's another uh you know gun law nullification state where it's if you're if you're a missouri cop uh it's illegal to assist the feds you know what i mean they, they can't just say hey guess what you're on a joint task force now uh you, you can't do it you know Uh, so Mm -hmm. it is, it is nice, uh, to see that there's several states, you know, one-on-one state that's saying, Hey, look, uh, you know, you guys just go away. It's not your business. We'll take care of it here. Uh, because the ATF, that's a really risky bet to make if it goes to the Supreme court, you know what I mean? Because the ATF regulates so much, uh, I shouldn't say regulate, they enforce, uh, so much, uh, minutiae and just kind of bullshit through fear and coercion, uh, that if someone, you know, takes that to a high level court and the ATF loses, uh, that obviously has, you know, uh, countrywide, uh, consequences. So, I mean, I I think it's, uh, it's a good thing for the states that are doing this.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I agree, man. And the course of effects work, right? Like, uh, I've got a very good friend who does all my attorney stuff and he hit me up when not that I have any sort of like big public profile, but like as the public profile was growing a little bit and he was like, Hey man, if you're using any of the like Idaho gun laws, I would suggest because he's a private attorney for a quite wealthy guy and he knows all about like targeting, you know, he's dealt with like a lot of the sec and, um, he was like i would suggest that you don't do that anymore because you know depending on political motives and stuff you might end up without even thinking about it you know a target and you know it's just probably not worth it and so even me who's like very much fuck the government when i heard that you know i got four kids man i i you know it's yeah. it's just not worth it i'll i'll get my uh i won't go the route of all the people that I know that go the Idaho route, you know, like basically my entire County, right? Like, because you're the guy that might have a target on your back, even when you don't think you have a target on your back. So the course of thing totally works. Um, yeah, it, it, it works. Even though I actually have quite a bit of faith in Idaho's like suppressor law, for example, um, it's still not worth it to me, you know? Um, so I I don't have any of those
1: yeah yeah no and i mean i hear you this is how this is how they make themselves effective right as they say uh you know do you want to risk risk it all you know the safety of uh, your family when you're sleeping at night uh over this sba you know three pistol brace you know what i mean and so uh, obviously there's a pretty strong incentive there uh to say no and that's what most people you know i mean myself included are going to you know go along with like there's no point uh you know it this it's a it's a silly thing to risk it all over uh, basically i just leave it at that
0: yeah that's kind of where i'm at too um i think we're up against the hour bro uh i appreciate you coming on we've got to do we absolutely have to do more uh i felt the same way with a couple of other people but we got to do more of these if you're available. um sure nblock what is it nblockpress.com right. is that what it is yep. yeah that's it so yeah it's go ahead please uh
1: yeah it's it's a weekly uh newsletter or podcast mostly focusing um guns 3d printing politics uh things like that uh, on twitter it's at n e-n underscore block b-l-o-c underscore press uh or e-n-b-l-o-c press.com
0: Thanks, man. And I am a full disclosure for everybody. I've been a subscriber for a long time. Uh, it's worth it's worth the money as far as I'm concerned. So please jump on there and support the guy. He's doing good things. He's a good guy too. He's also helped me out like privately on some stuff that was, um, I don't want to like give too much away, but I was in a major pinch last year on a event and he bailed me out. So he's, yeah, I'm a big time supporter fan. Thanks much. Okay. Thanks, brother. Thanks for coming on.